Hey there, welcome to the Fanboy Strike Back Comic Review Podcast, episode 54. Hey, and welcome to the Fanboy Strike Back Comic Review Podcast. I'm David. I'm Eric. And we are the Fanboy Strike Back. Every week we read the comics that came out. Uh, we'll pick a, choi- a couple of choice books to talk about. And we also do a little head-to-head where I'll, I'll throw a book at Eric that he wouldn't normally read and he'll do the same to me. We're going to discuss everything in this review, so there are going to be spoilers. If you don't want to be spoiled, you might want to pause the podcast and come back later. Um, and that being said, we're going to go right up into the book reviews. And we actually had a pretty book a pretty big book come out this week. Um, Batman number, what was it? Six... 681. 681, which is the end of the Batman RIP storyline. Uh, the storyline that's going to change the Batman universe. So, I picked this up, and this is what Eric wanted me to read. And I'm going to discuss it, but Eric, I want you to tell me what you thought first, because, obviously, Batman's your character, and this is kind of a big deal. So I want to know what you thought. Um, okay. Well, I really enjoyed it. I've been hearing a lot about how Grant Morrison's uh, storytelling was really kind of, um, I guess, obtuse and could be explained a little bit more and um, was kind of confusing. And I can see that if you haven't been reading the book a whole lot. But as someone who has read all of Grant Morrison's run so far, and even just the R.I.P. stuff, um, you could just have read the R.I.P. storyline and, I think, gotten the gist of the story. And I thought it was really well written. Um, it had a lot of great, great moments in it and a lot of great just kind of, um, you know, cheer, cheer moments, you know, where I was like, yeah, you know, and stuff like that. But at the end, it wasn't um, – it left things wide open. And it was also an ending to where – you know, this was really hyped as being this is the thing that, you know, Batman's gone and this is it. And, right. you know, we've, we've already been kind of reading the fallout of this book in Robin and Nightwing. And so Batman's gone for apparently a, a span of about six months or so. And uh, I, I don't know. I guess I just uh, the ending didn't blow me away or anything. I thought it was very good, but it wasn't like that earth shattering, like, holy crap moment or anything like that. It was just. Something that it seemed like I'd seen before, you know, there's an explosion uh, with Batman and the and the bad guy, and Batman goes missing. Like he's he's not dead, and unless there's some kind of twist that we don't know about in Final Crisis, because that will happen. That happens shortly later, and that's you know, Bruce Wayne was Batman in that one that we saw. So I don't know. So it's kind of like battle... kind of the sorry. end of the story. So sorry to interrupt you. So no, okay. okay. So we're yeah, I and then I, I kind of asked you the same thing. So we find out the final fate of Batman and Final Crisis, but I mm-hmm. heard that the battle for the cow was supposed to take place before the crisis too, or maybe, but that can't be right, right? Well, that's and see, that's what's going on is you know they're really kind of flubbing the timeline, and so I'm wondering if yeah, it's there's going to be because there's going to be some retrospective issues. Uh, uh, that's over the Neil, next like couple Neil weeks, Gaiman's doing. Yeah, and then we're gonna come back, and then I'm guessing Final Crisis happens, and then we'll go into battle for the cowl. And that's just that's just my rough plotting is the way I like I've I see it shaking out. Um, but then again, like where does Batman come back? Where does Bruce Wayne come back? So I don't know. It's it's really kind of confusing. 
And I'm really not trying to play into it too much, except that if Grant Morrison wrote both, like, obviously, Batman's not dead. That's the thing, is he's going to come back. Right. So it's just the story of, like, he's gone now. It's a lot like kind of the funeral for a friend story, whereas, you know, it, it was just the, the idea of Superman being gone and what does that mean to the world. And that's kind of what this is going to go into, which I'm really excited about. Um, I'm upset now, though, because Grant Morrison had the plan for it and was going to do this. And with all of his fallout with uh, Dan DiDio over his over the you know revision to Final Crisis and everything like that, he's out and he's not finishing this. So I think this is his last issue. Oh, and so then, he's not coming back to the book? No, Tony will have Neil Gaiman, and then Tony Daniel is actually writing and, I think, writing and drawing the Battle for the Cowl. And right, but I thought I get, Grant Morrison was going to come back after the Battle for the Cowl. I don't, not anymore. I think that was the original plan, or he was going to come back for Battle of the Cowl, but I don't think he's writing Batman anymore, is, is what I've been hearing. Like, he, that was originally the plan, was he was going to come back and only do Batman. Right. But... Yeah, there's there's been a little bit too much uh, fighting and editorial uh, interruption into his work, so I think that's it for him. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of kind of worried about about that path because you know it was his big plan and his big idea, and what's going to happen if someone else has to has to jump into that and take over? But for now, I thought it was a good issue. I, I there were a lot of moments I liked. So I know you didn't read the whole thing, so I imagine. You were fairly confused about it. I was really confused. I couldn't even really tell you what happened. I mean, I, I have picked up a couple of the RIP issues, so I had a vague idea of what was going on with Jezebel Jet and the Black Hand. I, I have no clue what was going on in all this. I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> okay, and that's that's fair. Um, so, like, let's... Fun. Okay, so, um, the leader of the Black Hand, who is that? That was Simon Hurt, Dr. Hurt, and that was the guy who had originally performed these deprivation uh, experiments on Bruce Wayne way back in the early part of his career as Batman was trying to uh, find out how madness works, and he put himself through a deprivation experiment, and that was how DC kind of described um, incorporating a few of the Silver Age, like alienist stories uh, into Batman mythos is those were hallucinations that he was having while he was going through the uh, deprivation process. Okay. And they also tied that into the Fogel ritual that he underwent during 52, which was a cleansing. Right. And the whole idea was, even though like early on in the R.A.P. storyline, like it appeared that Bruce had gone insane and they had drugged him and let him loose on the street as kind of a, a homeless uh, guy. And the whole thing is he had mentally prepared himself during training for, for something like that to happen. See, that's and where so I, they explain that, where he's like, what if I, what if someone attacked my mind, could I set up another personality to kick in then? Yeah, and that's what I thought was really cool, was like, and that's the whole thing, you can't, you can't beat Batman, is like, he even had a subconscious, like, backup identity that his brain would instantly click to, and that's where he created this, uh, brightly clad, Batman suit, which, which you didn't see in this issue, but like he he kind of came back and went on like a, a, like a rebooted version of Batman, and um, 
it was interesting. And they apparently the black glove had been implanting this this trigger word throughout different different stages in his career and things like that. So it was it's fairly interesting. There was a lot of like back and forth like the 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 leader of the black glove, Simon Hurt, like he was kept saying like he was actually Thomas Wayne. Right. That was, was, was like I didn't understand any of that. He was trying to get inside Bruce's head, and I think originally, because DC had originally built this up, like, oh, it's gonna, nothing will be the same in Batman's world after this. And I'm wondering if originally that was Morrison's idea was to have it be Thomas Wayne, uh-huh. and and have it, because originally, or a couple issues back, like, they, the Black Love had turned in uh, pictures to the Gotham PD and the media of Bruce Wayne's parents and Alfred all taking drugs and having orgies, and Bruce was gonna be Alfred's son, and uh, Thomas Wayne was going to have both all of them killed, and it didn't work out that way, so he faked his own death. But I, th- I, th- I think someone might have stepped in and said no, because originally, and that also back. Really, to go- I mean, that doesn't even really sound like a good idea. It, it sounds awful, is what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. and um, I think someone stepped in and said no, which which needed to happen. But also, they they had a moment where Alfred confronted him and he said, "Like I I knew Thomas Wayne, and you're no Thomas Wayne, and stuff like that." So. So I think it was just a ploy to get in Bruce's head is, is what that was. Okay. So the whole going through the whole book, I know there was supposed to be the, the riddle about the black and red, and Joker talks about how that was just the colors of a cell in Arkham. So was that really just, that was that the whole thing behind the black and red? Because I know that that was supposed to be like a big part of the story. Yeah, it, it was also that. That's how the Joker kind of uh, figured it out, but also... It did play into the fact of like Jezebel Jet, her color scheme, and I think there was also some other triggers along the way. But yeah, I, it's really it's kind of bizarre. Right. Okay. Now, uh, and then I guess I guess the thing that I was like you, I was most disappointed with is this: the way that Batman left. He he was in a, a helicopter crash. That seems like a, a just a typical thing that Batman could get out of. It was exactly the ending of a death in the family. Oh, was it? Yeah, it's the it's it's almost the exact same thing. Is um, the ending of a death in the family ended with Batman and the Joker in a helicopter, and the helicopter crashes, and um, the the thing is, is they pull Batman out of the water, and they ne- they never see the Joker again for like a year, and they they. It's assumed that maybe he might have died in that time, and and DC kind of hit him away for quite a while. It might have been even two years until the Joker reappeared again, mm-hmm. but it was the exact same thing. So, so it was kind of disappointing that they went back to the well on that. Although that was twenty years ago, so but a, a, a lot of maybe, people wouldn't catch that. Is that maybe what they're saying? Is they're saying like, okay, like this happened and the Joker was gone, so this is happening again. This is to show you that Bruce Wayne is not going to be around for a while. Yeah, and, and I think that's it. I think that's the ploy to say Bruce Wayne's not around for a while. I think it's more of a coincidental parallel. I'd be really surprised if Morrison was really purposefully uh, calling back to that. Yeah. But um, but yeah, that was it, it, it's pretty much the exact same thing. The only thing I was cu- curious about is the first issue of R.I.P. had like the new Batman and Robin. Right, which I was going to ask you about again. And they they haven't come back to that yet, so. It doesn't really show. It shows like six months later that Batman and Robin have been missing, and then you see the bat signal flare up, and so, so someone's back, 
after six months, you just don't know who it is yet. Right. Now, what about the epilogue? Because of the epilogue, we have a flashback back to the night that Bruce's parents are killed, and he's talking about how he wanted to be Zorro, but if there ever was a real Zorro, he'd probably be locked up in Arkham. And I know I've heard a lot of rumors that that's what's supposed to happen to him, that he's in Arkham. Um, I, didn't, cause I didn't understand the, ep the epilogue at all. I didn't understand any of this. This was so confusing. Well, the, the backup identity that he created for himself was the Batman of, of Zurinar. Okay. And uh, this was to show um, Zurinar came from Zorro and Arkham. That was the original. That was the first use of the of the trigger word, or or at least where he got the trigger word from. Okay. So that was kind of the the origin of of the Batman of Zoranar. Okay. All right. Well. So it was it was a lot to absorb, and especially since if you haven't been reading it the whole time, so I, right. I totally understand that. I thought uh, the art was beautiful. I, I like the art. I really like the art. Okay, but what? So, what did you think about Nightwing taking out the cowl? Obviously, that's supposed to be foreshadowing something big. But we know that there's still the battle of the cowl going on. I I really liked that. That page was gorgeous, and I you know I I don't know if Night I still don't know if Nightwing's going to be the one. I, I'm still saying it might even be Tim. Um, even though he's kind of young to do it, but I thought that was great. There was a there was a picture of Batman coming out of the ground after they buried him alive that was absolutely gorgeous. And um, the the part that I I cheered loudest for was when Bruce was you know he finally came back and he's like you know they they buried him and and it was the it was the turning point in the book when the Black Glove figured out they were in over their heads and the Joker was flat out telling him that like yeah. you know like your work but don't want to be a part of it. You know, you don't know what you're dealing with. Like, the, the the best part of dialogue was, he's like, I have literally gone insane trying to think outside the box of how to kill him. And every time I think outside the box, he builds a new box around me. I've gone insane thinking about this. And it was a great moment because that's exactly what's happened. He's like, here's what's going to happen. He's going to come out of that hole and he's going to come back with all his senses intact and, you know, make you all pay for it. And he just takes off. He's like, I don't want to be a part of this. Right. So, and at that moment, Bruce comes back, and it was great, because that was the scene, like, if, if, if the, it was, this was a movie, that was where the music would flare up, and Bruce comes back <laughs> and kicks ass, and I loved that, and then, like, right at the end, like, as soon as Bruce is just about outnumbered, in swoops Nightwing, and I'm like, yeah! I'm so happy with that. That was pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie. So, overall, what would you, what would you rate this book? I'd give it an 8 out of 10. Yeah. I thought it was very good, very strong, but it failed to really show me something new that I haven't seen before. And I think what I'm most looking forward to is what's going to happen after this. Yeah. So it felt like this was almost a setup for me. Yeah, I guess I would give this a 5 out of 10. I mean, obviously I'm not I'm not a huge Batman fan, and I'm, I don't like Morrison stuff, and this was just... This was just more of the same Morrison. Uh, I, I, but like you, I am interested to see where this is going to go after... I'm kind of worried just because, like, this should be stuff where this should be, these should be stories that people who aren't reading Batman, they should be able to pick up and read it, you know? Like, this should be something that should bring in new readers. And obviously, even the issues of RIP that I've picked up haven't been new reader friendly. 
So I'll, I'll try it out, but I'm kind of worried about that because it's just like so crazy out there. I think the next two issues are going to be the the really good jumping on points by Neil Gaiman because it's going to be a, re- a retrospective of Batman throughout his career. Okay. So I think those are going to be the uh, whatever happened to the Cape Crusader, which was which I'm really excited for. I think it's going to be really good. So um, you had picked out uh, originally for me to uh, read Daredevil 112 last right. month, right. and so we continue that this this week with Daredevil 113. Uh, this was the part three of the Lady Bullseye arc, mm-hmm. and it was. It was really good. I, I really enjoyed this. I'd give this a solid 8 out of 10 as well. Um, it, it wasn't mind-shattering or, or mind-blowing or anything like that. Um, I really liked... I don't know who the old man is in this. The old Yeah, Master, I think, Lau, is it? He's a new character. I, I liked him a lot. Yeah, he was really yeah. funny. And um, I just... like I am so Master blown Izzo. away by the art. Yeah, by, by uh, Gary Lark's... Uh, or not yeah, Michael Lark's Michael Lark. artwork in this. It is it is some of the best artwork I've seen in a really really long time. Yeah, it's very it's very gritty. It's very in your face. It's very street level. It's very distinct. Like there's no other art li- out there like this. And it was going to be hard to replace Alex Maleev. And Lark has the same exact style without kind of ripping off Maleev. And so yeah, it's it's gorgeous. Yeah, and you know all the stuff with ninjas. I'm not usually into ninjas or anything like that, but I, I found it interesting. I I'm still kind of lost as to like what the trials really are, and you know obviously this was this whole thing just set up Lady Bullseye as right a, a force to be reckoned with, and I don't know. I know is the the White Tiger has she been a character for a long time or uh, the White Tiger is a character that Bendis kind of brought back uh, in his past run and so there was an original White Tiger and this new girl is kind of um, she's kind of a legacy character so she kind of has been bringing up the mantle so she hasn't been a very prominent character but someone that's been touched on and at the very end of the issue Lady Bullseye basically takes a, a sword and goes right through her gut, which was yeah. pretty, pretty shocking. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. Um, I don't know, like, there's a lot about this. I Like, I know about his wife, Mila, and the institution, and, you know, apparently she's gone missing, or they, they came and got her, the hand came and got her, and so I'm, you know, I know that's, I'm, that's some big trouble right there. And, I, you know, just being a new reader to this book, I, I like it, and I'm really trying to get brought up to speed on everything with it. So it's kind of a steep learning curve right now because I'm only two issues in. Right. But um, I, I'm still really enjoying it. Yeah, this is a great book. And then there's that, um, speaking of Michael Lark, did you, there's that one page where it's just uh, Matt on the rooftop with all the rain. Yes, I loved it. I saw that and I'm like, I want to buy that print. That was so good. Yeah, it was absolutely gorgeous. Just beautiful. But yeah, this is this has been really good, especially because um Brubaker's Matt has been a little bit too down, a little bit too like, oh, my life is horrible. And so it's been nice to kind of it's almost like um because this master Izzo, he's this guy who who knows everything about Matt and who Matt doesn't know, and that's something that do- doesn't only happen. And he kind of just keeps on smacking Matt around. It's just like, stop being an idiot. And it's almost like what we as a reader are thinking, where it's just kind of like, snap out of it. 
and so it's a nice it's nice it's like a very nice dynamic to read and to see and it's nice because he brings this humor to this book which it desperately needs because it's just been so sad and so dark and so gritty that it needs like some kind of white light in there but uh yeah and i know a lot of people were worried that lady bullseye was just going to be some kind of just made-up character but they're i mean they're turning her into a viable threat and I like the fact that she is so calculated and so confident. It's like I haven't seen a, a new villain like this in quite a while. Yeah, I really like Matt's reaction to her. He's like, what are you, a, a fan or something like that? Like mm-hmm. one of those women who goes and marries like death row inmates and stuff yeah. like that. I, I thought that was a really interesting comparison. And um, yeah, I, I agree with you totally. She is, she is a viable threat. And that was evident on the last page and also of them abducting Mila. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I give it an eight out of ten too. Very, very solid. Yeah. Um, another book I want to talk about is the Kingdom Number One special. Oh, this is good. Boy, Superman's gonna get the biggest uh, opportunity to say "I told you so." Oh, this is so good. Yeah, okay, first of all, I want to say that this was good. This was this was by far the best thing I read this week. I am, however, like a little annoyed that. This and this is probably the biggest turning point in the story, and I think it's a little annoying that it happened in the special, not in the actual issues. Yeah, you're right. But other than um, that, oh, this is so good. Like this, this was really, really huge. Um, you know, and we've both gone on record of saying like how we like damage and stuff like that. Uh huh. And I totally would agree with anyone who um, said we were crazy because if you didn't read Damage in the early days and you haven't followed that character, he is a asshole <laughs> like you just want to slap the shit out of him in this book oh, and yeah. Stargirl does and I like the fight that they brought in Adam Smasher to try and try and talk sense into him but he's yeah. just not listening to it and he's way just caught up in himself and there was a moment where he's sitting down talking to uh Alpret's sitting him down talking to him and he keeps looking in the mirror and I even noticed it too and then they call it out later it's like you've looked at yourself in the mirror like nine times in the last three minutes and yeah. uh you know, it's it's just it's kind of obnoxious that they've uh, they're really turning him into like showing that he's really gonna follow Gog up until the end when he does when he sees like that it's not gonna pay off for him in the end. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, this was this was what we've been talking about. We we all knew that Gog was not a great guy, yet he was doing these things that were like you know it's, it's he's not that bad. You know the 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 hand that feeds you, but um, we get to the very end of this, and God's like, okay, everything's good, everything's great, we're gonna start, and now worship me, and then the JSA look at him like, what what the crap, what's going on? And I was yeah. like, oh, that's so cool. On your knees, <laughs> it's like, oh, oh shit. But um, yeah, it was just some great moments, and I really liked the scene between um, Superman and Wonder Woman too. Mm-hmm. When he's saying, you know. Choose, don't choose violence, and and she flat out says no. Like that, you know, that's not every situation. Sometimes you have to use violence, and you know, she's a warrior, and I love that they don't back down, back away from that in her character. Yes, that I was gonna say the same thing, and it's it's weird how like um, you would think that having the Earth Two Superman be in the Earth One universe. Like, his view on things might be, like, you, you might want to see that more. But the Kingdom Come Superman, his view on everything is just so interesting because of what he's been through 
and how easy that could happen to the Earth One universe. And just like you said, like him saying all that stuff to Diana makes perfect sense in his mind. And the fact that she killed Maxwell Maxwell Lord and everything, that's exactly like that's that's a path that she can easily go down. But I like her being that Amazon saying, like, no, this is you know, if you're backed up against the wall and someone's pushing you, you have to fight back. Yeah. It just would like that could have easily been like a throwaway scene, but it was just so good. Yeah, and I'm also really glad that DC is really stuck to keeping the whole uh, death of Maxwell Lord like prominently in her mm-hmm. in her past instead of just like it's been a few years now to where they could if they didn't want if they didn't like it they could ignore it but right. they don't they still like every once in a while bring it up and I really like that they don't back away from that because that's. That's a really important character step in her character development. So, th- I thought that was great. Yeah, this was this was good. I and then uh, JSA comes out this this coming week, so I'm looking forward to that issue. And then the yeah. um, the stuff with Sandman, where Sandman has a, a connection to the Earth and how the Earth is screaming from Gog, and I was like, oh, that this is just too much. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, we only got the hint at the end that, like, things are really messed up, or they're going to get really messed up soon, and I'm really excited to jump into, like, the third act of this story and mm-hmm. be like, okay, like, how, how bad is this going to be for everybody? So, and, and you know, of course, like, Magog's going to probably take center stage, you know, some, some at some point. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, like, this is the book, like, I, j- I just can't wait for the next part to come along. Yeah, this was a 9 out of 10 for me. This was, you know, nearly a perfect comic book. This is why I've loved this book so much. Yeah, I, I totally agree. 9 out of 10 this week. Okay, um, let's head over to Ultimate Spider-Man number 128. Um, man, this is a kind of a I, weird, weird issue. I'm curious to know what you thought. I, first, I really like this issue. Um, and I And I totally get if you didn't. I, uh-huh. I, I totally understand every reason behind it, and it broke the cardinal rule that I always say that I hate. But um, I thought it was just so inventive and, and still, like, it was dark and spooky and still kept that fun attitude that Ultimate yeah. Spider-Man always has. I am torn on how I felt about this book, just because there are certain things. Like, um, this is going. this is the symbiote war... Uh, basically, what happens in this issue is that Gwen Stacy comes back. Um, she was Carnage, and Eddie Brock is still kind of dealing with the fact that he's lost Venom, and Eddie basically siphons the symbiote out of Gwen to become an enhanced version of Venom, leaving Gwen seemingly a normal, you know, sixteen-year-old girl. Um. There was a couple things in in this the story though where, like when Eddie shows up at um, Peter's home and Aunt May answers, and mm-hmm. she pulls a gun on him, and I was like, whoa, that's so out of character. But then she kind of explains that like the last time someone came into her home, her husband died, and I was like, it's really hard to see Aunt May with a gun, but that makes a whole lot of sense that she would have one. Oh yeah, I thought that was a great scene. Yeah, so I at first I was like that that's so out of character and I was like, you know what? No, that's that's perfect. Like that is exactly what she would do. The uh, the build up to that moment that you were talking about where she looked up the gun because it's just her in the house like at night and she kinda cracks the door open and there's Eddie 
standing there, and he's already like creepy as hell, and you know, just saying, you know, is Peter there? You know, I, I, there was a there was a creepiness factor that was just inching forward in that scene, and then it just culminated in, like the gun being pulled out. I was like, oh, that was great. I, what I really did is uh, I really liked the idea that when Peter sees that, he goes nuts and just starts beating the crap out of Eddie right in front of his Aunt May. And he's just like, you know, you, you'll come here, you're coming to my home, you're going to try to hurt my aunt. And that's like, I mean, he would really lose control there. And he kind of, she has to kind of like, you know, shock him back in the, into the reality. And he kind of sees her. And then he just takes him, starts uh, web-slinging away. And then continues to fight somewhere else. And I, I mean, that whole scene, while I was a little bit iffy at first, like looking back now, like that was really, really well done. Yeah. Uh, the more I th- the more I think about it, I actually like this. I like the idea of Gwen being back. I think she should be back. I like I like the dynamic that she puts in, um, into play with Kitty and Mary Jane, and the idea that Gwen's kind of living with Peter and, and May, and she's kind of like a sister to him. I was a little bit iffy on the end where the beetle showed up and kind of siphoned and captured Eddie. I thought that that was a little bit weird, but we'll see where he can go. Yeah. But overall, yeah, think about it. I, yeah, actually, I did like this one. Yeah, I thought that was weird. At first, I didn't think that was uh, who it was going to be at the end uh, that siphoned up Eddie. Uh, I thought it was going to be like, because as soon as you see Eddie on the bench with another old guy, and he's like, oh, he's, he's back to just eating people on the bench again. And then uh, someone comes out, and they've got a suit that kind of sucks all his, all the symbiote up. And I, th- I thought it was Iron Man. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was going to be Tony too, just because Tony had just talked. Yeah, he was talking about how Peter's going to be okay, and that he'll be taken care of, and all that stuff. Yeah, but uh, it was that. I don't, I don't even know that guy's name. That's, so he's the Beetle. The, yeah, but he works for Doctor Doom apparently. So yes, yeah, so that was a good twist that he. I'm going to get. I'm going to get some Dr. Doom here. Richards! Richards! Love Dr. Doom. Who doesn't love Doom? Everyone I loves Doom. But Doom loves everybody. Doom is that crazy uncle that everyone loves. It's true. We all got that uncle. Um, no, I thought like it was an interesting way of bringing Gwen back. And like I said, I hate characters coming back from the dead. But they even mention it. It's like it's not really her. It's a, it's a clone. It's a genetic, a complete genetic match. Mm-hmm. But it's not her. But she. But in in a sense, like she's back. And P, I, I loved like Peter's reaction to that. Yeah, it was good. I, I I'm interested to see exactly how that's going to affect her character too now. But um, yeah, it was good. I mean, it's it's Ultimate Spider-Man. It's always good. Yeah. It's just it's just how good is it? You know, that's the question when it comes to this book. Yeah, I'm never disappointed. So, um, last book I want to talk about is Superman 682, uh, New Krypton. Kryptonians are assholes. Wow, they really are. This this is where it's t- it, where it turns. And um, we see that the Kryptonians have decided under... Uh, Zor-El. Zor-El, yeah. Uh, that they're going to round up all of Superman's enemies, anyone that has ever caused Superman a problem, because they could potentially cause other Kryptonians problems mm-hmm. if they try and get to Superman through other Kryptonians. And so they round him up and throw him in the Phantom Zone. But people are, you know, they, they just bust into prisons and take these people and, you know, guards and policemen, some get killed in, in the process. Yep. And um, 
Zorro, when he, you know, Superman, of course, he goes ballistic when he shows up. And I love him showing up at, at Kandor and being like, what the hell do you think you're doing? Like, I love pissed off Superman. Yeah. But, um, you know, and Zorro, when he finds out, he's like, you know, oh, that was, you know, that wasn't supposed to happen. But, um, Lara, she's just like, oh, yeah, I knew. Yeah, it's going to happen. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, she's in trouble. Yeah, and I'm also glad that Supergirl didn't know because at the beginning, like, she has that allegiance to her father, and I'm like, oh, this is going to go bad for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was uh, this was good. I really liked the the Bizarro stuff, like Bizarro showing up at Pa Kent's grave and just being like so depressed about it. Um, Yeah, that was a cool moment. Yeah, because I normally hate Bizarro, but I thought that was really cool. And um, I, I actually do like the Mon-El character, and so you find out at the very end that the Kryptonians have taken all these villains and just thrown them into the... Uh, into Phantom, the, Phantom Zone. In the Phantom Zone. Yeah, I was, got to, I was about to say Negative Zone, but that's uh, wrong company. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and I thought that was kind of cool, especially to see what's going to happen with Mon-El now. Because he has, I don't know if all the other Kryptonians are still there from the from the Zod storyline, but it looks like he's he looks like he's gonna get taken out. Yeah, I mean he has all the villains, and they're about to converge on him. I have to admit that this one I thought was a little bit of a disappointment uh, in terms of the new Krypton story, just because I felt like I don't know. I mean, first of all, I, I read this right after the Kingdom, so. I think any book after that was going to be a disappointment. But I think that this was the first book where I was just like, I I feel like I'm not caring about this stuff all that much right now. And I don't know if that was just the state of my, my mind while I was reading it, or if they're, if it's moving. I don't know. I just, there was, something just didn't feel right about this one. Maybe it was James Robinson versus Jeff Johns. I don't know. I don't know. I, I liked it. Um, like we said, this was kind of the turning point where you really see that the Kryptonians are, are out of control. And the, the thing I don't... It's not that I don't get. I just think it was an interesting choice. Is They've really shown the Kryptonians to have uh, a false sense of entitlement. And they're very kind of aristocratic. And, yeah, and they really fa- are. Like, uh, very very holier than thou. I can, I can do as I damn well please because I'm Kryptonian and the fact that they have these powers now only amplifies that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm not sure where that comes from or if that's like, if they're kind of retconning it to be like Kryptonians have all kind of been uh, a little, a little bit in that mindset though, you know, for forever, or they're just showing it now because now they have powers and they're on a new planet and, well, they've always they, had like the houses, like the house of L and everything. So maybe, I guess maybe that's how their society was. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of I could I could definitely see that, and I thought that was a really interesting choice to take with them, uh-huh. because there isn't really anyone besides Clark saying, you know, this isn't our planet. You you know, you can't just go and do whatever you you want. Yeah, and I, so, I, I like the idea that I mean, even Black Lightning tried to show up and say, hey, you can't do this, and they just took him out. Yeah, so, and there really is like no reasoning with them. So, and they haven't shown Nightwing and Flamebird really in action yet, so I don't know, like, are they going to come out for the Kryptonian side, or are they right. going to come out with for the uh, human side? That's a good point, because they were guarding the fortress, so... Yeah. One would think that they're on Clark's side. Well, they were supposed to be guarding, yeah, the Phantom Zone, you know, projector and everything like that, so... That's true. That what happened there? That's true. That's true. Look at you, reading between the lines. I'm trying. I'm trying. 
So, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, it, it's still, I think it's a really good story, and I'm still really excited about it. I, I think this is um, probably a 7 out of 10 book for me. It was, it was very, it, you know, it wasn't, wasn't spectacular, it wasn't poor or anything like that. It was very good yeah. middle of the road. I agree. Seven out of ten is good. It wasn't great. Nothing big happened. Stuff is starting to happen. I, I think I was just coming off of my JSA high. Yeah, which was hard to beat. Mm-hmm. Really. All right. Well, uh, that's a short show for us this week. Uh, we'll be back uh, next time with some uh, heroes reviews and some some more uh, comic reviews. Um, if you have any uh, questions or comments for us, you can email us at contact at fanboystrikeback.com. And uh, you can also go to our website at www.fanboysstrikeback.blogspot.com, and that is where we uh, have a link to our forums. And um, that's you know we we have different topics set up that uh, we talk about all the time, and stuff we don't talk about on the show, and just general Xbox things, and video <laughs> games, and movies, and everything like that. So uh, we hope to see you on there, and just hop on, and uh, we love to see, we'd love to chat with you. And uh, you can also catch us on uh, most podcatchers out there. Um, yep, iTunes, Podcast Alley, any podcatcher out there. Uh, if you like the show, please leave us a review. That really helps us out, lets other people see the show. Um, like Eric said, come on by the website, come on to the forum. Um, we have a lot of topics up. We talk about what, what books we're going to be getting that week. Uh, I've been talking about the new Xbox Live um, experience where you can now stream your Netflix videos onto your Xbox, onto your TV. I love it. I love it. Although my wife is also getting into it. I came home from work and she had done nothing but watch like three movies right in a row. So I'm not sure how (laughs) I feel about that. Um, And you can also give us a call on our voicemail, 206-350-2354. If you have a question or a comment for us, go ahead and give us a call, leave us a message, uh, and we'll play that on the show. We'd love to hear what you guys think or any recommendations, questions, any of that stuff. So with that being said, I think that does it for uh, this week. Yes. See you guys next week.